set you free. Amen. We were once bound up. We were once put in, in, in Satan's prison. But Jesus came along and set us free. Amen. Now, I pray this evening that you're not bound up by the things of this week. I pray that you're not bound up by all sorts of disappointments or discouragement. But this evening that you once again would just be set free to experience the presence of God and the power of God in this place. Amen. Tonight we're going to continue our series on rebuilding the gate. I pray that thus far it's been a blessing to you and a challenge to you. Uh, tonight we're going to look at the sixth gate in our study of Nehemiah, and that is the re, uh, and the rebuilding of the gates and the walls. It's the fountain gate that we're going to look at. But before we go any further, as always, just going to pray one more time. Ask the anointing and the Spirit to be with me and with you as well. Amen. Father God, we thank you that you have set us free. Father, there was a time in our life when we were lost in darkness. We were bound up in sin. We were just captive, held, held, held uh, captive by the, the work of the devil. But I thank you that some point in our life you came and set us free. And I pray, God, tonight that we would just move in that freedom, that we would operate in that freedom, that we would receive in that freedom that you have granted to us. I pray, Father, that the anointing of your Holy Spirit, as always, would be upon me and rest upon me. I pray, Father, that you would control my thoughts and my words, my actions, that everything that takes place tonight, God, would be done according to your glory and your purpose and your will. I know, Father God, that you have sown some seeds and words into my soul. And I pray that those that those words and those truths that have taken root in my life, God, would come forth this evening and bear fruit in the lives of your people. We need your anointing, Father God. We need your Holy Spirit to give and to receive. And we pray that you would have control of this service this evening. As always, we come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, anything that would try to disrupt the flow of your Holy Spirit as I deliver and as your people receive, Father God. We ask that you would be glorified in our midst as we yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Like I said, we're continuing uh, this evening on the sixth gate in our study. It is the... Uh, fountain gate. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 15. Actually, verses 15 through 25 all relate to the fountain gate and the surrounding structures, but uh, we're not going to get to verses uh, 16 to 25 tonight. I'm going to reserve those for next week because I specifically want to focus on Nehemiah chapter 3, 15 and the meaning of the fountain gate. The Word of God says, Shalom, the son of Kal Jose, the official of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars, and the wall of the pool of Shelah, or it can also mean the pool of Siloam, at the king's garden as far as the steps that descend from the city of God. And I'm not even going to get to the uh, probably the pool this evening or the steps that ascend uh, to the to the city of David. But what I'm going to focus on tonight is specifically the fountain gate. At this point in our journey, and I don't have a diagram for you tonight, but you know we've followed along and there's a diagram that you can look at. But at this point in our journey, our walk takes a dramatic turn. Our walk actually takes a drastic turn 
uh, concerning our spiritual life and this restoration process that we're going through at this gate at the Fountain Gate Church, something powerful begins to take place in our Christian life at this point in our walk with God. And here's what I want you to clearly understand at this point in our walk with God. We go from God working in us to God working through us. What we need to understand is that God at this gate begins to work through us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's what this gate represents. It represents the baptism and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The spirit of power and the, and the spirit of holiness that operates through our lives. At the fountain gate, which represents a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we stop becoming consumers and we start being conduits or we start becoming conductors of God's supernatural power in our lives. In the early part of our journey, we realized and discovered that this portion of, of our journey, God works in us. God does a miraculous work in us, but there comes a point in time in every one of our lives where God wants us to make a drastic turn, where God wants all of a sudden the power and the things that he's done in us begin to flow and operate through us. There, there comes a point in every one of our lives when we come through the done gate where all of a sudden the anointing and the power of God rests upon us and begins to operate through us. But until we are willing to go through that that journey that we've learned so far, that that power won't be there. That anointing won't be there. That progress in our spiritual journey won't be there. But at the Fountain Gate Church is where the church begins to take care of itself. At the Fountain Gate Church is where the body of believers actually go into action under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's where we are no longer hearers of the word, but where we actually become doers of the word. You see, what you need to understand is that at this gate, at, at this particular gate, we, we, we get this revelation and this understanding that God has appointed apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints so that they might do the work of service. You see, you need to understand that God at this, at this fountain gate takes away this consumer mentality that has crept its way into the house of God and crept its way and made its way into the people of God. There's something supernatural that takes place at this fountain gate, and it all has to do with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What we have to understand is that a consumer-minded church is not a spirit-filled church. We need to understand that a consumer-minded church that's all about me, myself, and I is not a spirit-functioning church. There's a whole lot of churches out there that are consumer-minded churches. There's a lot of people sitting in the house of God that are consumer-minded Christians. And I want you to know that if that's you or somebody you know, that is not a spirit-filled Christian. It is not a spirit-moved Christian. It is not a spirit-empowered Christian. Because a spirit-filled Christian is not about me, myself, or I, but about the glory and the power of God operating through their lives. 
You see, God leads us through this journey so that he might empower us with the Holy Spirit so that we can, like I talked last week and once again will a little bit later, become profitable to the master. This is what happens at the fountain gate, a drastic change in our spiritual journey. We have to understand that a consumer church, like I said, is all about me, myself, and I, and it's where we act like customers, and it's where we act like God's clientele. But what you and I need to realize, church, is we are not God's customers. We are not God's clients. We are not somebody that He has to entice to try to do business with Him. What you and I need to understand is that there's nowhere in Scripture that God has called us a consumer. What God has called us is servants. We have been called to servanthood. We've not been called to come into the presence of God as consumers waiting for God to do something wonderful in our lives. We need to understand that the house of God is not to be consumer-minded. Because it is. And I want you to know that if you go to a consumer-minded church, you will not find the power of the Holy Spirit operating there. You and I need to understand that we're not supposed to come before God or we're not supposed to come into his house like customers waiting to be served. Like some waiter that we can judge as they come and they they did this right and they did that right. When we come into the house of God, we're not to come as consumers, but we we are to come willing to be consumed by the power of God. Consumed with worship and consumed with praise. Consumed with an awe and a fear for an almighty God. When we come into the house of God, we're not to come hoping to find some kind of menu that says, okay, God, I'll have this and I'll have this and I'll have this. And if you serve it to me the right way, then I might worship. If you serve it to me at the right time, then I might give you some praise. If you do a good job, church, I might drop you a little tip in the offering plate. But if you don't do it my way, I'm going to put a little complaint card in there instead of giving you my tithes and giving you my praise. You see, the reality is the fountain gate is broken in too many lives. We think God has created us so so that He can please us. Understand, God created us for His good pleasure and not for ours. And when we come into the house of God and the presence of God, we must keep that in mind. If the pastor preaches short enough, if the pastor preaches loud enough, if the, if, the, if, the, if the choir member plays this particular song, it's a consumer mentality. It's ungodly and unrighteous and doesn't belong in a Christian's life or in the house of God. If that kind of mentality, if that kind of attitude, if that kind of spirit is prevalent in your life or in the house of God, it is not a spirit-filled or spirit-empowered church or individual. We've forgotten that we are to be fit and ready for his service. We have forgotten that we are to be fit and ready for his good work and not our good work. We have forgotten that we as children of God are to be profitable to him, our master. He is our master. We work for him. We're to please him. We're to be his servant. 
We were to sacrifice and pour ourselves out for Him like He poured ourselves out for us. The word service means to be at someone's complete disposal, willing to be used up. That's what service means. And that's what a servant is created to do. When you and I were created in His likeness, it was to serve Him and glorify Him. It was to magnify Him. It was to bring forth His glory across this earth. But somewhere along the way, that, we, we've forgotten that church. And, and somewhere along the way, we have descended into this consumerism mentality. Somewhere along the way, the people of God have, have, have descended. And I say descended because, because it's actually going the wrong direction with that mentality. But somewhere we have forgotten that. We have, we have descended into a consumer mentality. We have adopted an ungodly consumer mentality, and that's what it is, church. It's ungodly. There is nothing godly. There is nothing holy. There is nothing righteous about a consumer mentality within a Christian. And we must keep that in mind. If I get my parking space, if I get my particular seat, if I get my recognition, if they sing my favorite song, if the pastor ends at this particular time, All of those things, church, are consumer mentalities, and they don't belong in the house of God, and they don't belong in a Christian's life, church. We have to remember that when we come into the house of God and presence of God, we're the ones that are to come with something of value and something of worth. We are not to come before the Lord empty-handed. David said, I will not offer unto the Lord that which cost me nothing. I won't, nothing. And it was, and he was referring to a threshing floor. He was referring to that place where you beat away the chaff. So the only thing that's left gives glory to God. And he was willing to pay full price for it. You see, it's going to cost you something to bring forth the glory of God. It's going to cost you something to have the Holy Ghost power flowing through your life. It's going to cost you something to be a reflection of the Father. It's going to cost you something to have His anointing rest upon you and His favor descend upon you. It's going to cost you something. David was willing to pay that price. And the reality is, at the dung gate is where we pay that price. At the fountain gate is where we begin to pay that price. So the power of God can flow through our lives, church. Consumer Christian isn't a spirit-filled Christian. They're a carnal creature that has to have it their way instead of God's way. And the reality is, as far as a consumer Christian is concerned, their fountain gate is broken and pride is piled up at, at the gate, at the fountain gate. And that's what we're going to look at, church. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 14, we find that the fountain gate and the surrounding wall was so piled up with junk. It was filled with so much rubble and it was so broken down and destroyed that Nehemiah had to get off of his donkey or mule or whatever you want to call it. And he had to walk over the pile of junk by foot. Every other door that he went through while he was examining the city, he was able to go through on the back of his mule and on the back of his donkey. But this gate was so busted up. This gate was so full of rubble and so full of junk that he had to get off his donkey and he had to climb over the mess. That's how destroyed it was. This was the most busted up wall and portion of the city in this entire journey that we look at. And unfortunately, it's the most busted up wall in the house of God today. 
It's why there's no power in the church. It's why there's no power flowing through the people of God. It's why we walk around dejected. It's why we're full of depression. It's why we're popping pills. It's why we're drinking booze. It's why we're shooting drugs. It's why families and households are falling apart. It's why husbands and wives are broken up. Listen to me, because the power of God and the Holy Ghost is not flowing in our lives because the fountain gate is broken. It's filled up with rubble and garbage and trash. And what we need to allow to happen is for the Holy Ghost to come in and the power of God to come in to rebuild that wall, to rebuild that gate. So then the power of God can flow in our lives, church. To give you a better understanding of this particular gate, there was a spring outside of the northeast side of the city called the the Spring of Jihan. The water from that spring flowed through a tunnel to the pool of Siloam or Shelah, your version might say, just above the fountain gate. And I'm not going to get a whole lot into this, but this is what I want you to understand. From that spring, the water flowed through a tunnel to the pool of Siloam just above the fountain gate. However, according to Nehemiah 3.15, the wall to this pool was broken. The pool couldn't contain water. What you, what you find as you read and you study this was that the tunnel was filled up with rubble. What you find is that that water that was supposed to be flowing and contained in the pool of Siloam or the pool of Shelah wasn't getting there. It was being diverted because there was so much junk and the pool itself was broken and could not contain the water. The water that flowed from the one spring to the pool was called living water. How many of you know that Jesus and the Holy Spirit is living water? So what that tells me, church, is that that when the the living water, when the Holy Spirit isn't filling your life, when the Holy Spirit isn't filling your speech, when the Holy Spirit isn't filling your mind and filling your marriage and filling every area of your life, what that's telling me, church, is that there's something in your pool, something in your soul that is broken, Some, some kind of rubbish, some kind of junk has been piling up in your life. The enemy has got to it and he has diverted the flow of the Holy Spirit. You see, the reality is this pool, this pool was where they would go collect their water. This pool was where a lot of different things took place, but because the wall was broken and the rubble had diverted it, they had to go somewhere else to collect their water. I'm going to look at that in a little bit because how many of you know, listen, I'm telling you, when, when, the, when the fountain gate's not working in your life, you're going to find yourself going to look for water somewhere else. Unholy water, unrighteous water, impure water, defiled water is what you're going to find. But here's what we need to understand, church. We've got to understand that so many Christians are in the same exact place or the same exact condition Of how Nehemiah found this wall. Too many individuals are broken and they're busted up by by so many things. And it may not just be sin in their lives. There can be disappointments. There can be occasions. There can be storms. There can be attacks of the enemy. But so many lives are are broken and and busted and they're, they're unable to hold water. They're unable to hold or contain the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So their, their lives are void of power and they're, they're void of spiritual life and they're void of the Spirit of God altogether. They have so much rubble piled up in their lives that God's power cannot flow. They've got so much baggage, so much hurt, so much pain, so many other things that they've not allowed the Holy Spirit to just carry away. That they can't flow. Under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, 
Their entire Christian journey is a drudgery. Their entire Christian life is a struggle. Their entire Christian life is filled with heartache and pain. Why? Because they cannot contain the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We need more than any gate, this gate today to be rebuilt in our lives so that the power of God can be released through us, church, and into a world that needs it so desperately. Jeremiah 2.13, God says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn for themselves out other cisterns instead, broken cisterns that can't hold water. You see, the reality is all of us can come to a point where a life gets so busted up, where a life is so broken, where the fountain gate is so messed up and so much rubble gets piled up into our life that we begin to hew out our own cisterns. We begin to hew out things that, 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 that are broken and, and things that can't contain power, things that can't contain the goodness and the glory and the power of the Lord. And I'm going to get that to it as I go along. But here's what you and I need to understand. It's where the people were then and it's where the people are today. The people of God were in this condition in Jeremiah, and they were in the same condition when Nehemiah was trying to rebuild the wall. And we can find the people of God are in the same exact condition today, hewing out their own cisterns, turning away from God, turning away from the the, the river of life and the giver of life, trying to find hope, trying to find peace, trying to find satisfaction in a busted up cistern that can't hold water. Two evils. My people have committed, God said. Listen, he didn't say two evils that this sinful world has committed. He didn't say two evils that those out there have committed. He didn't say two evils that the unrighteous, unregenerated individual has committed. He said two evils my people have committed. Those who have been called by my name. Those who claim to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Those who are the chosen ones. Those who are the royal priesthood. Those who are supposed to be a holy nation. They have done two evils in my sight, God said. The first thing is they have turned from me as their sole source of life and power and blessing. The evil that had taken place in God's sight concerning his children was that he no, in, in, in God they no longer lived and moved and breathed and had their very being. They were living and moving and, bring and, and, and breathing and trying to have their being outside of God. The evil that was committed, church, in God's sight was that they had turned from him, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God, the one who was able to meet all of their needs according to his riches and glory. And they were trying to get their needs met somewhere besides God. They were trying to find their blessings somewhere besides an El Shaddai. They were trying to satisfy their thirst. They were trying to quench the longings of their soul. They were trying to have their needs met through some broken sister. Instead of through El Shaddai, the one who meets all of our needs according to our riches and glory. Listen to me, church. It is an evil thing when we don't trust God. It is an evil thing when we don't have faith in God, when we don't have confidence in God, when we don't believe that El Shaddai can take care of my every need. He hangs the stars in the sky 
He keeps the seas at bay. He causes the trees of the field to clap their hands. He tells the sun when to rise and the sun when to set. He causes the stars to twinkle, the birds to sing, the wind to blow. Amen. And we don't believe he can meet my need. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He owns the hills and the potatoes in the hills. He owns the gold and all the metals that are dug down deep underneath the hills. It's all his. And we don't believe that he can meet our need. He knows the number of hairs upon our head. He knows our very name. He knows us as we go in and as we we go out. He intimately, he intimately formed us while we were in complete darkness in our mother's womb. He numbered our days and ordered our days. And yet we don't trust that he can meet our needs. This is an evil thing in the sight of God. And my people have done it, God said. And so... What was the other thing they did? What was the second thing they did? You see, when you don't trust in God, you begin to trust in man. When you don't trust in God, you begin to trust in your own wisdom and you begin to trust in your own strength. You begin to trust in your next door neighbor. You begin to trust in me and the pastor. You begin to trust in someone else besides God. It is another evil thing in the sight of the Lord. When you trust in anyone other than God. And when you don't trust in God, guess what happens? You begin to dig out your own cisterns. You begin to fashion and form your own vessels. But listen to me, church. No hand of man can dig out a vessel that can contain the power of God's Holy Spirit in their lives. No hand of man can dig out a vessel that has the power to, to, to quench the thirsty, to satisfy the thirsty. There's only one hand that can dig out that cistern, and that is the hand of an almighty God. It's the only hand that can. So we begin to dig out these things that can't satisfy. When we don't trust God, we try to find happiness and peace and contentment and satisfaction. And we try to have our needs met somewhere else. Where do you think vices come from? Where do you think ungodly habits come from? It is our attempt to satisfy the longings of our soul. It's our attempt to dig out our own cisterns. But listen to me. Some of you know they can't hold water. And whenever you go to drink from them, you come away thirsty. Whenever you go to drink from them, you come away disappointed. Whenever you go to drink from them, you come away, uh, you come away worse than when you went. Because those vessels were not fashioned by the hand of God. And those vessels cannot hold the living water and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't. It's why we go away thirsty and it's why we go away hungry. And it's why we must have the fountain gate restored in our lives. Far too many churches are hewing out broken vessels and cisterns that can't hold the water instead of repairing the fountain gate. When they feel like the power of God's not moving, they they resort to fads and and new fashion. They resort to high technology, this gizmo and that gizmo. When when, when it feels like the power of God's not moving, they they, they figure, I'll bring in this celebrity or I'll I'll bring in that celebrity or I'll I'll, I'll begin to teach this bestseller book other than the, the Holy Word of God. And maybe that'll keep the coffers full. Maybe that'll keep the people coming back. Listen, it's a form of godliness without the power. 
a form of godliness without the power. God is saying, if you don't have a fountain gate built in your life, that's all you'll be. That's all you'll have is a form of godliness in your life. But you'll deny the power. You'll deny the power in your marriage. You'll deny the power in your speech. You'll deny the power in the way that you dress. You'll deny the power in the kind of relationships you build in your life. You'll deny the power by the, the way you do business and the way you got crooked dealings going on. You'll deny the power by the things you look at when you're not supposed to be looking at them. You'll deny the power by places that you go and people that you associate with. You understand what I'm saying? A form of godliness that looks all holy, but they deny the power of God in their life. You see, God's not interested in a three-piece suit. He's interested in power. God's not interested in what kind of car you drive. He's interested in power. He's not interested in your name up in lights. He's interested in power. He's not interested in what you think you can do. He's interested in what He knows He can do through a clean vessel. It's not going to happen unless we have a purity gate in our life and unless we have this fountain gate in our life, church. Amen. When Nehemiah secretly spied out the city in the dark of the night, in Nehemiah chapter 2, you'll find it. He didn't let anybody know what he was doing, but he went around in the dark of the night to inspect the city. We taught that in the very beginning of the series. But in chapter 2, when he came out through the dung gate, he was in the city. And when he came out to spy the surrounding areas, the Bible says he came out through the dung gate. And the first thing he did when he came out of the dung gate was he looked North to the fountain gate. First thing he saw, and it was a mess. First thing he looked to was a fountain gate. I wonder why. I wonder why the first thing that he looked at was a fountain gate. And this was this is what the Holy Spirit shared with me, and what I, I I discovered in my study as well. He looked to the fountain gate because he knew that was the source of life. He looked to the fountain gate because he knew he knew that that was. That, that represented the flow of the Holy Spirit. It represented the powerful move of God. It represented sustenance. It represented spiritual growth. It represented the power of God over the enemy, over darkness and over evil. And it was busted. Well, why didn't he just fix that one first? Because there's an order to everything God does. You see, the reality is I taught you that every one of these gates are in order. And if they are out of order, you're not going to experience the, the proper power that those gates have to offer. Listen, what I mean by that is you can go live, you can live like hell all week. A lot of people go out there, live like hell all week. They live up, live up, live up, fill their lives full of dirt. And then they come in on Sunday morning and want the power, the Holy Ghost on their life. It's not going to happen. God will not allow you to build the, 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 the fountain gate. You can try to build it, but unless those other gates are built first, guess what? He's not going to release his power. He's not going to release his anointing. There is a process you and I must go through. There is a process you and I must submit to. There is a journey we must take in order to get to this fountain gate. There is a downward journey that the old man has to take. You understand? There is a downward journey that the, that the flesh has to, to take. There is a cross that has to be gone to. A grave that has to be gone to. A dung gate where all the filth has to be put off before the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost comes into our life. The process we've got to go through. Listen, in a spiritual sense, the power of God wasn't reaching the city. In a spiritual sense, remember, every time you, God shows us a physical picture, a physical picture in the scripture, there is a spiritual parallel. 
Every time you read something and, and, and see this visual image, God gives us a spiritual parallel. And the parallel that was trying to be made here is that my, my people's fountain gate is broken. My people's fountain gate is, is demolished and destroyed. And because of it, the water of life, the, the power of my Holy Spirit can't flow into their lives. But it's the first thing that Nehemiah looked at. And he asked himself, is the water flowing? Is the Spirit of God flowing in this place? And, and the answer was no, it wasn't. And sadly, if you were to ask the question today, the answer is still the same, no. I'm not saying here, and I'm not saying in every single church, but as a whole, the power of God is not flowing through the believer's life. As a whole, the power of God is not operating in the churches anymore. Political correctness is. Man-made stuff and junk is. Broken cisterns are being brought into the house of God and standing behind pulpits trying to bring forth the... Listen, broken cisterns are standing behind the pulpit trying to bring forth the power of God and they can't because their own lives are broken. Their own lives are filled with junk and filth and dirt and impurities. And the power won't flow, church, through that. So, like I said, in a spiritual sense, the power gates were broken and the living water wasn't flowing. The Spirit of God and the power of God was not moving and it was not operating. There were no signs of spiritual power or life in the city or in their lives. Listen, remember... The, the temple was built. If you remember the story I've told you so far in the journey we've gone in, the temple was built. Things were put in place. The priests were there. All of the, the, the churchy stuff was going on. But what was happening to their homes and what was happening to the city? The devil, the enemy kept getting in. The enemy was plundering. The enemy was getting in. And listen, the enemy was getting away. It's one thing for the enemy to come in. But it's another thing for the enemy to come in and get what they want and then get away. Look, sometimes the enemy will come into my house, but, but, uh, but I'm going to tell you what, he ain't going to get away. I better be ready. Somebody breaks into your house, the first thing you're going to do is make sure he don't get away. But it's what was happening here. All the churchy stuff was going on, but the enemy was getting in and the enemy was getting away. He was taking, the enemy was taking what didn't belong to him, but belonged to God's people. Why? Because their fountain gate was broken. Because the enemy was getting in because the power of God wasn't moving in their lives. And the power of God wasn't moving in their midst. Listen, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my Holy Spirit, says the Lord. If you got a battle going on in your marriage, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to deal with it. If you got a battle going on with your son and daughter, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to deal with it. It's not your might, not your power, not your wisdom, not your, de- not your dealings. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you got something going on at work, you got some financial difficulties. Listen, all your wheeling and dealing, conniving and, and, and making all kinds of backdoor deals. That's not going to change your situation. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my Holy Spirit, says the Lord. We need the fountain gate in our lives. Without it, boy, we're just going to be struggling. Without it, we will be overcome. Without it, the enemy will keep coming in and stealing from every area of your life. It happened there, and it still happens today. This is the gate that in the next few minutes that I want to even give you a little bit more information about. As usual, when I get to one of these gates, 
there's like a million things that I want to touch on, a million things I want to cover. And the, the hardest part is, what do I leave out and what do I put in? So I asked the Holy Spirit, you know, whatever has really found a place in the soil of my soul, let that come out. I don't want to have to struggle to try to find a word. I don't want to have to struggle what direction to go in. Whatever has taken root in my spirit, I want that to come forth. Because, listen, that's the fruit that's going to last. That's the fruit that's going to bear, that's the fruit that's going to bear witness. When you're witnessing to somebody and you're, you're wanting to be an oracle for God, the same thing applies. Let the Holy Spirit tell you what to say. Because when it, when it comes from the Holy Spirit, those are the seeds that bear fruit. Those are the seeds that will come forth and offer life to somebody else. So I just say that as an encouragement. Trust it's another reason why we need the fountain gate in our life. So we can operate and speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So far we have journeyed through five gates. The sheep gate, fish gate, old gate, valley gate, and the dung gate last week. All five of these gates were designed to help rid ourselves of the things of this world and to rid ourselves of sin. All five of these gates were designed, this journey so far was designed, church, so we would empty ourselves so that God could fill us up. You see, God can't put something into a vessel that's already full, and he won't put his Holy Spirit into a vessel that's dirty. I'm going to look at that in a little bit. So God has fashioned this journey in order to clean us out. God has fashioned this journey that we've gone through so far, including the Tower of Ovens and the Valley Gate and the Dung Gate and all those other things in order to make us prepared to contain the power of God. What's that song? Prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. And see, this is, this is what God has brought us through. He brings us through this journey so that we can be that vessel of honor. So that we can be that vessel that he can pour his Holy Spirit into so that he can begin to operate through us and not just in us. It's great. Listen, it's great that God works in us. But somewhere in our life, God has to start working through us. And I'm going to look at that in just a minute. But this is what we have to understand. The first five gates represent a downward journey for the flesh. A downward journey, like I said, for the old man. It represents a humility of our spirit, a crucifying of the flesh so that we can rise up in newness of life. Listen, if you ever want to rise up in newness of life, allow the Holy Spirit to take control. What we have to understand is that these first five gates being established, without these first five gates, we can't rise up. Without these first five gates, we cannot be established or we cannot be seated in heavenly places. Without these first five gates that we've looked at, church, we cannot experience gate six or the fountain gate in our life. Until we're willing to strip off every sin. Until we're willing to put off every sin. Until we're willing to just... Uh, when you really study this, it, it almost talks... Uh, you can almost use that word when it says strip off and pull off. It, it's, almost, it's almost severe as a raping where you rip off everything that is like this world on your life. It just rips those things off of you. And, and until we're willing to do that, until we're willing to rip off everything like we learned last week, we will continue to have nothing more than a form of godliness in our lives rather than the power of godliness that is made available to us. I don't know about you, church, but I want more than a form of godliness in my life. I want 
The, I want the power of godliness to be operating in my life. The last thing I want when I'm standing up here is a form of godliness. The last thing I want when I, when I walk through life and I, and I need to operate as a servant unto God, the last thing I want is a, a form of godliness. Because, listen, when you have a form of godliness, you know you're empty. When you have a form of godliness, you know there ain't no power. When you have a form of godliness, you got to struggle to put on a smile. you got to struggle to dance. You gotta struggle to clap. You gotta struggle to get in the word. You gotta struggle to bend the knee and call out to God. When you got a form of godliness, it's difficult. I don't want no form of godliness. I don't want people looking at me and saying, oh, he looks good. He looks like a good Christian. I want them saying, I know he's a good Christian. I know it because of how he walks. I know it because of how he talks. I know it because of how he praises. I know it because of how he does this and how the Holy Spirit operates through his life. That's what I want. That's not selfish. But it's what I want. It's what God wants. So it's not selfish. And it's what you should want as well. And I believe you do. And the only way it's going to happen, church, two things, the purity gates and this fountain gate. It's the only way we're going to have more than a form of godliness in our life. The only way we can have that kind of supernatural power is through the gift and the gate of the Holy Spirit in our life. No other way that you and I will experience that power except through that gate, church. Please remember, purity gates precede the power gates. We cannot have the latter without the former. We cannot have power without purity in our lives We must first clean out the inside of the vessel before we can expect God to pour anything holy into our lives. He won't do it, church. Listen, we have to understand that purity produces power, church. And the devil can't stand it. The devil can't stand it. There's two things that the devil can't stand. It is purity and it is power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because both of them are an exact reflection of God Himself. Both purity and power are a reflection of God Himself, and it's why the devil doesn't want it in your life. Because when you're when you got purity in your life, it reminds him of God. When you got the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, it reminds him that he's been defeated. It reminds him that he's got a place reserved for him in utter darkness because of the power of the Holy Ghost. You understand what I'm saying? He, he can't stand the power of the Holy Ghost because if you got the Holy Ghost in your life, he's got no power over your life. He's got no power over your marriage. Got no power over your mind. Got no power over your kids. Got no power over your finances. He can't stand purity, and he can't stand the power of the Holy Ghost. So what does he do? He brings impurity into your life, because he knows if you're not pure, you can't have power. He brings all kinds of filth, and all kinds of junk, and all kinds of the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, to make you impure. Because the devil knows that if you're impure, and I'm impure, God won't impart the power of his Holy Ghost in his life. When we're impure, we look like him. That's what he wants. He wants us to look just like him. He can't stand anyone that looks like God. And when we are pure, we look like God. When we got the power of the Holy Ghost flowing through our life, we look like Jesus Christ. And he can't stand any of them. So you listen to me. 
when you are, when you are pursuing purity and the hounds of hell come clipping at your heels, you need to say, thank you, God, because I'm starting to look like you. You need to say, thank you, God, because I'm starting to live like you. I'm starting to move like you. I'm starting to sound like you. It's what we need to understand. We don't need to get afraid of them. We need to just shout and rejoice because we're looking a little bit more like God. And it makes the devil mad. Makes him ticked off. Purity and the power of the Holy Spirit are two things he can't stand. See, what we have to understand is that purity produces power. And not just any kind of power. It doesn't produce some mamsy-pamsy power. It doesn't produce some mustard up, made by man type of power. It produces what is called dunamis power. It produces what is called dynamite power. You see, the word we got for dynamite comes from the word dunamis that Jesus used when he talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. Woo! That's the kind of power. I, it's a kind of power that can't be contained. It's the kind of power that just wants to explode out of your life. It's the kind of power that the devil can't keep down, that the devil can't cover up, that, no, that nothing can take away from. It is dunamis power. You see, that's the kind of power that the Holy Ghost produces. Man can't produce it. Wealth can't produce it. Oil can't produce it. The earth can't produce it. Only the power of the Holy Ghost can produce dunamis power. It's the kind of power that comes from the hand of God, straight from the throne of God. And no one else can duplicate it. No one else can imitate it. They can try to, but they can't. That's why you'll have a form of godliness, but you deny the power because you can't have that kind of power in your life. Listen, this is what we need to understand, that this kind of power is the kind of power that Jesus speaks about in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. There's two things that I want you to get out of this before I even talk about the power. And I, I don't know where I'm going to draw this to an end, but I'm trusting that the Holy Ghost is going to give me when he wants that to happen. But here's what I want you to see in this passage of Scripture. There's two or three things that I want to point out. But the first thing that I want you to understand is that this kind of power, this kind of Holy Ghost Held in the hand of God power, de delivered from the, the throne room of God power. This kind of power works anywhere, church. Read what the Word of God says. It'll work in Ju Judea. It'll work in Samaria. And it'll work even in the uttermost parts of the world. Areas you've never known exist. Areas that you've never been to. Areas in the backwoods of somewhere. I want you to understand this kind of power works even in the remotest part of the world. I want you to understand that this kind of power that God is talking about, it works in your office and it works in a school campus. I want you to understand that this kind of power, the Holy Ghost power, dunamis power, I want you to understand it works in the presence of demons and it works in the house of God. I want you to understand that this kind of power that we're talking about, it works on this side of the tracks and that side of the tracks as well. It works for the rich and it works for the poor. It works for the intellectual and it works for the uneducated. It works for the black and it works for the white. It works for mama and it works for daddy. It works for mother and it works for sun. It works everywhere. It works in Atlanta and it works in Africa. Listen, 
If you want to test power, if you want to test whether or not the word of God is true or it's filled with the power of God, ask yourself, will it work everywhere? Ask yourself, will it work anywhere? And if it doesn't, it's false. If it doesn't, don't listen to it. If it doesn't, don't hang your hat on it. If it doesn't, don't take it to the bank. If it doesn't, don't stand on it because it's going to leave you sinking. But if you find a power that works anywhere, if you find a power that works in the dark and it works in the sunlight, if you find a power that works when it's sunny or works when it's dark, when it's raining or when it's calm, if you can find a power that works in Daniel's lion's den or works in a fiery furnace, you better grab on to it. You better cling to it. You better trust in it. And you better, better let it loose in your life. A lot of people are going to come to you. Who I got this kind of power and I got that kind of power. Test it. Try it. See if it works. And see if it'll work everywhere. I'm getting, listen to me, I'm getting sick and tired of all these prosperity guys on TV. You try to take that teaching out into the bush of Africa and see if it works. It won't. It's false. I'm not saying God doesn't want to prosper us. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless us. But test it. Try it. Oh, it sounds good. That kind of that kind of verse only works in America. Listen, listen, because of what we're going through, these guys are begging even more. What we're going through is an economy and the finances we're going through. These charlatans on TV, they're begging even more. They don't even preach the word of God anymore. They just have money thons where they can raise money to keep up their fancy cars and keep up their fancy homes. Listen, try it, test it, see if it's true. See if it'll work in your life and your kid's life. See if it worked 10 years ago and see if it'll work 10 years from now. Then it'll be true. Then you can hang your hat on it. Then you can take it to the bank. Then you can say, yes, this is of God. That wasn't even in my notes. I just know I needed to say that. Amen. At the Fountain Gate Church, we demonstrate his power. Here's where I'm going to start to close. The other truth that I want you to see in this passage of Scripture in Acts 1.8 is that the fountain gate is where we become his witnesses. Notice what he said. You shall be my witnesses. My witnesses. You see, there's so many individuals that spend their entire Christian life being a witness to the world instead of a witness for Christ. And I'm not just talking about the words that come out of your mouth. A lot of people can do that. I'm talking about being a witness by the power of God that flows through your life. You see, listen to me. At the fish gate, you are a witness of what God has done in you. At the fish gate, you are a witness of what God has done for you. At the fish gate, you are a witness of what God has done with your life. He's taken me out of darkness and he's putting me into his glorious light. You see, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It, it is a witness as to what God has done in my life. So the people out there understand that God can do the same thing in mine. I, I, I once was standing in miry clay, but he lifted me up and he put me on a rock that was eternal. A rock that can't be shaken and a rock that can't be moved. It's all about what God has done in us but something happens here at the fountain gate and it all becomes a witness as to what god is doing through us you understand what i'm saying 
You see, God wants to take us from the fish gate where he does stuff in us to the, to the fountain gate where he begins to do stuff to us. He wants to take our testimony to a higher level. He wants to take our, our witness to a higher level. He wants us to become profitable to the master so we can begin to be a witness for what he's doing through us, church. So that he can be glorified and so this world can be changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, your witness at the fish gate draws them in just like you were drawn in. But the anointing at the fountain gate sets them free. You see, it's one thing for you to just testify of what God can do into your life and actually draw them in. But it's another thing when the power of God operates through your life so that you can affect their life. You understand the difference. This is what happens at the fountain gate church is where we become a demonstration of his power, his power that is seen through us, church, and not just in us. At the fountain gate, we become profitable to the master. At the fountain gate, we begin to function for God. At the fountain gate, we begin to operate as witnesses through the power of God in our lives, like I just said, and not just speaking of God's power, but acting and operating in it as well. You see, the reality is you've got two choices. We can either be a witness to the power of this world in our life, by the way that we live, by the way that we act, by the way that we talk, by the way we establish priorities in our life. We can be a witness for God by the kind of people that we hang around in, the way we do business, the way we treat our wife, the way that our marriage appears, the way that we handle our kids. We can be a witness for the power of this world, or we can be a witness for the power of God through the fountain gate and the Holy Spirit controlling our life. You see, without the fountain gate, you cannot be this kind of witness for God. Without the power gate, God cannot operate through you. He'll continue to move on you. He'll continue to try to stir inside of you. He'll continue to lead you into valleys and continue to bring you through, uh, through, through tests and trials in order to strip off things so that you can go to the next level. But without the fountain gate being established in your life, you cannot have this kind of power and you cannot be the kind of witness God wants you to be. So I've got so much more that I want to teach you next week. But tonight, what I'm saying, this is the Holy Spirit is asking, how many of you want to be my witness? How many of you want to be a witness through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? How many of you want to demonstrate the power of God through you and not just in you? If you want that kind of power in your life, I want you to stand to your feet. Here's how we're going to close this evening. You see, I want tonight to be a night of examination because we're going to finish up on this gate next week. The reality is there are some people here that are broken. The reality is there are some people here that got some rubble in their life. The reality is that there's some of you that have some walls that are broken that need to be repaired. The reality is there's some of you that got some trash that you never took out at the trash gate. The reality is some of you have begun to hew for yourselves broken vessels. You're reaching out to all the wrong places. You're, you, 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 you're, you're trying to carry around the, the glory of God in, in something that can't hold it. The reality is some of you, church, have forsaken El Shaddai. Some of you have turned away from God. He is no longer in him. You don't, you don't live or move or breathe or have your being. You understand what I'm saying? And because of those things, 
the Holy Spirit's not flowing through your life. So tonight is going to be a night of examination. This week is going to be a week of examination. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit reveal to you every area of your life that has to be dealt with so that He can pour His Holy Spirit into your life. You see, the last thing, and I'll teach it next week, the last thing God is going to do is wrap His Holy Spirit, His sanctified, pure Holy Spirit around an unclean vessel. The last thing He's going to do is wrap His Holy Spirit around someone who's not ready to receive it. He's not going to wrap it around someone who's not been washed in the blood of the Lamb. He's not going to wrap it around someone who has not confessed their sin. He's not going to wrap it around someone who doesn't have a spiritual authority over the life. And we're going to get to that next week because it's the only gate that had a covering. There's so many things that I want you to understand, but I want you to understand that some of us don't have this power because there's some things we've got to get in order. And God wants to help us do that, church. So tonight you're standing and you're saying, God, I'm, I'm somewhere in what Pastor Jeff just said. And I need you to do whatever you have to do so that I can be a vessel of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So as I pray, whatever it is you need to bring before God, offer it to him tonight. And my prayer is going to be, listen, it doesn't have to be here where the Holy Ghost descends upon you. you the Holy Ghost can descend upon you when you're driving down the road. Holy Ghost can descend upon you when you lay your head down tonight at a pillow. I'm going to give some opportunity next week for the Spirit to move. But tonight, this week, is a week of preparation. And it's what we need. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this evening. God, there's so many things in my spirit I could go on for another hour and not even cover it all. But God, I've got to stop because you asked me to. And God, I'm praying that tonight would become a, a night of preparation. God, that from this night forward, we begin, would begin to examine our lives like, like Nehemiah examined the city. And that you would begin to point out those areas of our lives, God, that are preventing the power of your Holy Spirit from flowing into our lives or entering into our lives or wrapping around our lives. I pray, God, that you would help us in every way, God, to get rid of the rubble. Father God, do whatever you have to to help us repair these walls. I pray that you would help us to, 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 to no longer forsake El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. Forgive us, for God, for, for hewing out our own cisterns, cisterns that can't hold water, cisterns that can't hold your glory, cisterns that can't hold your power, God, for turning to the wrong things, for turning to the wrong people. For turning to the wrong rivers, Father God, trying to find satisfaction for our soul. Help us to understand that there is only one river that flows with power. One river that flows with life. And that is a river that flows from heaven. It is the river that flows from Emmanuel's vein. It is a river that flows through your Holy Spirit, God. And I'm praying that that river would begin to flow in the lives of your people. I pray, God, that you would open up, Father God, those riverways. That you would open up the springs. That you would open up the reservoirs. Father God, and that you would begin to pour out the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon your people's lives. 
I pray, Father God, that Peach, or that South Metro Ministries would be a spirit-filled church, full of spirit-filled believers. I know we are. I know we're Pentecostal, God. But my prayer is that everyone in this house would be spirit-filled. Everyone in this house would be spirit-controlled. God, let us not be consumer-minded, but help us to be Christ and godly minded, servant minded, sacrifice minded, Father God. Help us to be that sacrifice which is holy and acceptable to you so that you can pour your spirit out into our lives. Minister to every need that's represented here, God, tonight. I pray that these words would find a place in the soil of our soul and the devil wouldn't snatch away one of them, Father God. Prepare us this week to be a sanctuary of your glory, to be a sanctuary of your power and a sanctuary of your praise so that we can be a witness to the power of your Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Can we bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Go and let let God prepare you this week. Amen.